ask that God's word may be a blessing to us for the moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do ask that for Jesus' sake, your word may be a, a blessing to us, that your spirit may be at work in us. He who inspired these texts and the scriptures as a whole, may what is proclaimed be God-honoring, may the focus be found where it belongs upon our God. May that be so for our lives as well. We'd ask that you'd accept our prayers for Jesus' sake. Amen. So we're going to be looking again at 1 Samuel 16. We are looking at some different chapters out of 1 Samuel. For those who are visiting, we just started that last week when we saw that David was anointed and we focused on that idea, the very important one for our, t- our day today too, that uh, we are not to look on, our, on appearance or the height of stature that the Lord himself sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And now we see David in Saul's service here in verses 14 to 23 of 1 Samuel 16 today. We keep looking at some different passages that deal with David. 1 Samuel 16, 14 to 23. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David your son who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by David his son to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. So as far as we're going to read from God's word this morning, we certainly do thank God that we can pray for his blessing upon it today. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, many of you have heard over the course of time in your lives about turning points. You may have looked in your own lives and seen turning points in your lives. You say, well, when that certain thing happened in my life, that's when these things started to happen, for good or for bad. You might watch a play or you might watch a movie and you say, oh yeah, I can see where when that certain thing happened in the play or the movie, 
certain things started to go a different way. Things started to change. You see that in an athletic contest. You're watching a game and then things are kind of going one way for a team and then coach brings certain a certain player into the game and say, you know what, when he went into the game, that really changed things. There's a turning point in the game when, when that particular event, that particular sort of thing happened, it changed the whole fabric of the game. A lot of different ways in which there's turning points. Even our boys and girls can know about some of those things. You're riding up a hill and you're thinking, boy, this is a hard ride with my bike. And then all of a sudden you get to the top and you start going down and you say, wow, that's a real change. Well, that's kind of a turning point, isn't it? Because all of a sudden you've gone from a hard ride to an easy ride. Things have changed because of a turning point in your riding. Well, we have a turning point. We've got a change of sorts that way in our Bible passage. Uh, things are beginning to change right around the time that David is going to, is heading towards being king and as he is coming to Saul who is the king. And that turning point doesn't have to do just with David and Saul and the contrast that find there, but it has to do with God. God is right in the middle of all those changes, just like he is in our own lives. Whether it is changes in how we live or changes that happen in our lives, God's right in the middle of it all. And so we're going to take a look at these changes this morning that we see here and try to think too in terms of the changes that may occur in our own lives, see it through the lens of the gospel, see it through the lens of scripture. We're going to be looking here at David coming to Saul and two contrasting characters to be sure. And we're going to be focusing as we see that all occurring, we're going to be looking at the presence of God in the midst of all this, the providence of God, and then also the power of God, power of the Lord. So first we're going to be looking at this turning point in the monarchy of, inner, of Israel that instigates David coming to Saul. And it has to do with the presence of the Lord uh, or the absence of the Lord, depending on whether you're looking at David, or you're looking at Saul. Uh, we see a real turning point in the history of God's kingdom in Israel with the anointing of David. And then we see the departure of Samuel at the end of the passage. We looked at last time as he goes to Ramah. And then the departure of the Spirit from Saul. From verses 13 to 16, and we didn't read, of course, verse 13, but you hear about this, this, this dynamic that's going on. Uh, if we read that verse, just to add it to the verses we read, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But if you carry on and keep reading from th verses 13 to 16, you'll notice in your Bibles that David had the Spirit come upon him Samuel leaves, the Spirit leaves Saul, 
and an evil spirit comes upon Saul. So you have coming and going, going and coming. And you'll notice that way that Samuel's leaving, the spirit leaves Saul, evil spirit comes upon Saul. And, 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 I, and I used to wonder why I mentioned that, that David left David and went to Rama. It seemed kind of inconsequential, but it didn't seem to have much significance until you realize that that statement is just part of the, it's part of that literary package that's, that's brought in here to show us the, the profound difference between David and Saul. Saul, we read, has the Spirit leave him. Now that's the Holy Spirit that empowered him for his kingship. It's, it's symbolized in his earlier anointing. But now he's no longer equipped to be king, to be the anointed of the Lord. That empowerment has been given to David. And that has occurred because of Saul's own rejection of the Lord, as Scripture tells us. That's been the consequence of of his action. He wanted nothing to do with the Lord and what he had commanded, and so the Lord handed him over to what he wanted. He didn't want the Lord, so fine. You're not going to have the Lord. And consequently, this leaves Saul in dire straits, as we see in our passage. He becomes melancholy. He becomes depressed and somber. He's tormented by his sin. He doesn't know peace. It reminds us a bit of Cain who had become sullen because of his wrong and he had been disobedient in his giving of his offering back in Genesis and whose countenance consequently fell. He was sullen because of his wrong. And that's what sin can do to us. Right? It can cause us to lose peace of mind. You know, you think about when, when you do a good deed to another in Christ, right? There's something rewarding about that, isn't there? There's something that you feel good about when, when you do that. Sometimes you get called to, to volunteer for something or, you're, or you're, you are volunteered for something and you just go, oh, you know, I really wish I didn't have to do that because I got other things to do. And boy, this is really a busy time for me. And then, and then you end up doing it, and you go home afterwards, and you say, "Wow, you know, I'm really glad I did that. That was really worthwhile." I, I, I know it, it maybe wasn't the most convenient thing for me, but you know what? I'm, I'm glad I, I went, and I was able to spend some time with some of God's people. Maybe that was what was going on, and. And we were able to work together towards a common end and whatever it might be. And you feel good about it. Well, you should feel good about doing what's good. Right? But sin doesn't give us that kind of feeling. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't leave us that way. It gives us no reason to feel good because it's bad. It's wrong. It's, it's destructive. It's unproductive. It's filthy. It's impure. It's sacrilegious. It, it hurts us emotionally and, and physically and, and relationally. 
There's remorse so often with it. You know, if I misuse drugs, it harms me. It destroys me. If I abuse my child, I, I hurt him or I hurt our relationship. If I disobey my parents, I dishonor them. If I disobey God, I dishonor Him. And, and there's nothing... You have no reason to be proud of that. There's nothing encouraging. You know, nobody, nobody's going to say to you, My, you did a nice job being lazy. You know, nobody appreciates that. There's nothing valuable about that. Sin has no true reward. So for Saul, the spirit that plagues him is a direct result of his own sin. It enslaves him. You know, things we've done wrong or when we refuse to do things that are right deprive us of peace apart from Christ. You know, I think about God's counsel to Cain. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? I mean, isn't that what God says to our young people and our young adults and to our children? If you honor the Lord by honoring your parents, won't it go well with you? I mean, what else do you want? It'll go well with you. Whatever's true and honorable, says the Apostle of Christ, Paul, just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent, whatever's worthy of praise, think about those things and what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, apostolically, right? Practice these things and what will happen? And the God of peace will be with you. You know, instead of moping or or, or muttering in frustration, or, or living in, in the culture of discontent. Instead of thinking that the whole world is against us, what would the Lord have us do? If the reason that we're lacking peace, if it is because of sin, we need to admit to it, we need to seek God's forgiveness in Christ, and then we need to strive to put off what's old and put on what's new in obedience. And we'd see a turning point then, wouldn't we? Because we're busy serving the Lord as He's called us to serve Him. With the works that He has prepared for us to do in advance that we should do them in our homes, in our workplaces in our giving to others, in speaking a good word to somebody, in learning more about Him, and you know, in praying for God's cause and kingdom and for His help to give honor to His name. Ah, beware of Saul's situation. It reminds us that there's no profit and no peace in being absent from the, absent from the presence of the Lord. It's a dire condition. And if we find ourselves devoid of Him and His peace today, then we need to remember, or we need to learn the lesson, of praying to Him for pardon, thanking Him for it in Christ, and asking Him for His help to serve Him in all the ways that He's called us to serve Him. Because that's the paths of peace. 
David's a contrast to Saul here. He's described here in many ways as, as somebody, if you see that, as somebody who is worthy of kingship. He's a man of valor. He's a man of war. He's prudent in speech. He's a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. Oh, he plays well too. But it's capped off with this servant's declaration that the Lord is with him. That's the contrast, isn't it, with him and Saul. The Lord is with him. He's with David. Samuel was able to leave for Ramah because he knew that David was in good hands. The Spirit of God was with him in power. And he was not tormented by the evil spirit. He was equipped by the Holy Spirit. Samuel didn't have to be there. Because the Lord was. The Lord was with David. David was truly anointed. Not just with oil, but what, with what the oil symbolized. The Spirit of God. The Lord was with him. And while sin led to a loss of peace for Saul, David, empowered by the Spirit, knowing the presence of the Lord, would, would be built up and encouraged and trained in righteousness. And he would be an instrument, as you see, literally an instrument of peace. Or figuratively that way too. And that's what happens when the Spirit of God is with his own. Righteous things happen. No greater case, of course, than Jesus Christ empowered with the Spirit to carry out His righteousness for the benefit of His own, for the glory of God, and by it He was exalted. Truly the Prince of Peace. When we know the presence of God in our lives through Jesus Christ and His Spirit, such also is the case. Us. Because when we do what's right, it's rewarding. It's helpful. It's productive. It's encouraging. But it is blessed by God. Maybe not in the ways that the world would always see as rewarding, but rewarding nonetheless. It's rewarding to give. It's rewarding to work hard. It's rewarding to pray for others. It's rewarding to be considerate. It's rewarding to be faithful and, and patient and wait for God's timing. But for David, as he played his instrument, those peaceful themes, those pe that peaceful trust that he had with the Lord was reflected in his songs. His songs were songs of peace. There was peace and hope and trust and joy laced in the music that he played and sung. It's no wonder that he was known as Israel's singer of songs. It's righteousness that builds, that encourages, that restores us. Right? It, it does the opposite of what sin does. It builds up. It doesn't tear down. 
This righteousness is only when we've known the presence of God. To know that presence today is, is so much better than the life of Saul, tormented by sin and evil. It's so much better, isn't it, to be encouraged by the righteousness uh, of life that comes by faith in Christ. So much better to be known in that regard. The righteousness that we can exercise ourselves as those who have first of all known the righteousness of Jesus Christ who brings the presence of God into our lives. So a lot here to mention here about the presence of God, isn't there? But also the providence of God. With David coming to Saul, we, we also see God's providence at work. David is anointed by Saul, but he doesn't become king right away. He goes back, in fact, to the work of shepherding. Now, now, if you and I were David, wouldn't we wonder, well, how's it going to be possible for me to become king when I'm but a shepherd of sheep? Even with the anointing of the Lord on my, on my head. And yet, yet, David is led by the Lord in his time. A servant knows of David, and he tells Saul about him. And both the servant and Saul unwittingly introduce and characterize David as being prepared for royal work. They both foreshadow unwittingly what the Lord is leading David to be, a shepherd of his people. Now David doesn't hear about any of this. This is for our benefit to hear about it, about what was going on in those conversations. But it is, it is, is it not worthy to know that Though anointed by the Lord, David lets the Lord lead. He doesn't run ahead of the Lord to the throne. He doesn't, as he is coming to, to somebody like Saul, he doesn't say, hey, get out of the way, I'm, I'm the new guy, I'm the new sheriff in town. You know, he wasn't like his son Absalom was, for instance. Later, David has opportunities to, to kill Saul, but he doesn't do it. He lets the Lord lead in his time. He knows about the promise of kingship. But if in that promise he has to serve, as he waits for that fulfillment, if he has to suffer or be humiliated before that promise is fulfilled, so be it. He subjects himself he becomes subservient here. He serves Saul. He's the passive character in this passage. When you read it, you notice that he never speaks at all. He simply does as he's told. He lives a subservient life. He goes to Saul, he takes the food, he plays the harp, he becomes his armor bearer. He's a servant. He waits on the Lord. And he does that because he knows the Lord isn't going to disappoint him. And he knows God's promises that way. The Lord's promises go hand in hand with his providence. 
and then hand in hand with how we respond that way ourselves. All things are working to the good of those who love him or are called according to his purposes. That's the problem. And you serve the Lord in, in the midst of that promise, in the midst of the circumstances. Jesus Christ knew that like no other. Jesus knew of the hope that lay before him, and he therefore endured the cross. He served the Lord. How is it possible for one to be crucified and yet to be bring life to his own? How can one who is crucified be exalted to the right hand of God? Well, these things can happen providentially because of the promises of God. And so the Lord served. Well then, how should I be approaching the future if I'm an anointed one of Christ, if I'm a Christian? How is it possible that all things are going to work together for my good, giving my situation now? How should that impact me? How is it possible that somebody like me will one day know the glory of the Lord, sinner though I am? Well, I, I accept, I believe the promises of God. And I seek to serve Him. And I don't run ahead of God. And I don't take matters into my own hands. Unto disobedience, I serve the Lord. I seek to be faithful. As He's leading me, I'm led. I obey. I follow His leading, not, not esoterically, you know, not just touchy-feely. I follow his leading in obedience right where I am. What does the Lord want me to do in accordance to his word? In the situation in which I find myself, given the promises that he's made to me, God's providence will work hand in hand with his promises for you. You just ask any aged man or woman here who knows the Lord. Look at the history of the church and the lives of the saints. Look at the heroes of faith. Look at the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every day, God is preparing us and has been preparing us for his service today and tomorrow as he's preparing us for eternity in accordance with his promises. We just need to step back and look at the big picture and the promises of God to be assured of that. So that we would be, not what we want to be, but we would be what the Lord wants us to be as he wanted David to be, as he wanted Christ to be. So we see the providence of God at work here too. We also see the power of God as David comes to, to Saul. It's true that the servants of Saul seem to offer a sedative instead of surgery to Saul. Right? Turning to the Lord would have been a more remedial act for the sinful king. And yet what do we learn here as David comes and plays his wire? Well, let's remember again that Saul is the weak one now because of evil. He's in the realm of evil. He is not, I mean, we like to do that too with, with people who are evil and people who are despicable and we say, and they got the reins of power and woe be us. Saul's the weak one. David's the strong one because of the spirit 
And so, what we see here is that David, in the spirit, can be of good influence even to this unfaithful one through the power of God. He could be of godly influence. What would have become of Paul, Saul? What would have become of Israel had the kingship been allowed to, to just immediately collapse totally under the deranged behavior and attitude of Saul? Everything would have been chaotic. No, God's not going to allow that. God's in the midst here again, right? God would not allow that to occur. His truly anointed would be empowered to display the power of God over evil. He'd be empowered to serve the Lord, David would, for the benefit of his kingdom and for the benefit of his people. And he would be so empowered that he would also be able to be of godly influence upon those who didn't know the presence of the Lord in their lives. That's what's going on. And our world's an evil place. Oh, don't we hear it all the time? If we're going to go home for coffee, we're going to talk about things, we, you know, that's a, that's a subject that we, we bring up. But it still isn't as bad as it could be. Why? Because of the godly power of God through his Christ. That's why. It's bad, but it's not as bad as it could be because God has sent his son to honor him and to save his own and to fill his people with his spirit. If he hadn't done it, this would be an even worse place. But that way... Christians can serve Him, can serve the Lord with righteous living, be of godly influence towards your kids, towards your friends, towards your community, so that the world would not be as bad as it could be. But also so that in serving God and serving others, evil might be suppressed in the world. We have that calling, my friends. There is power, as with David, as with Christ, in serving. Isn't that an ironic thing to say? It sounds like a paradox, right? It's true, but it sounds like a contradiction. There is power in serving. Divine power. Like our, our Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David, we don't want to simply speak about how evil the world is. It is. But that's not all we want to do. Because we're called to be a blessing to it. And whether it is in our praise of God, and we show people that coming to church is important, and we show people that, well, what did they do that for because we've got a great God. And we want you to see that. Whether it is the way we handle oppression or trial, the way that we seek to serve others in need of the Lord or just in need, whether it is the way that we support the household of faith, we're called to be a blessing. And it's not always easy. But that's why it takes the power of the Lord to do it. And that's why when it's done, it is God that is going to receive the glory. 
of being a godly influence. You see yourself as, as someone gifted with that power. You know, not just to be able to see the evil of the world, but to be a godly influence in it. You seek to be not only blessed by God, but to be a blessing to others. Because that's the calling of those anointed by the Spirit, saved by the Christ, imitators of God. You know, when David's coming to Saul, we see the presence of the Lord. Departed from Saul, but found in David for righteous ends that build. We see the providence of the Lord going hand in hand with his promises, and it teaches us to let him lead us and not go before him, but rather to serve him as he's called us to serve us in the moment. And we see the power of the Lord at work through the blessing that David was able to be, a picture of the Christ, an example to all those in him who see the power of serving. May the Lord bless us with that presence. See, he is leading and empower us to be the blessing that he's called us to be in Christ Jesus the Lord and the Savior of his people, the true Son of David. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we are grateful when we're able to know the presence of our God in our lives. We've seen it, Lord, in times past with David, most clearly in Jesus Christ, endowed with your Spirit, So that we might live, Lord, not in a destructive, sullen way, but we might be able to live in a constructive way of peace before you, before others, and within. We thank you, Father, for your providence as well, that you bring these promises that you do to bear to us in Jesus Christ, our greatest example of all who, as he considered the road before him, he remembered your promises. And he is now exalted, having carried out all that you called him to be as a servant of the Lord, the true son of David. And we're thankful, Father, for your power at work. So often, Lord, not in the ways that the world would consider powerful, but in the ways of serving you and serving others and being of a godly influence in the world in which we live. We often find ourselves, Lord, talking about the evil, but to be influenced in that very world, Lord, for good, help us to be that in the example that we give, the words we speak, the way in which we respond to your grace. You accept these prayers, Father. We bring them before you in the name of Jesus.